Hello, and welcome to the NextSense Institute podcast. My name is Trudy Smith, and I am the manager of continuing professional education at the NextSense Institute. This is the first podcast since we relaunched under the new brand in March, and look forward to continuing to provide conversations about hearing and vision education and health, new resources, emerging ideas, and hot button issues. Our first discussion on the NextSense Institute podcast is with Elise Lonsdale. Can you please introduce yourself to the audience, Elise? Hi, everybody, and thanks, Trudy, for having me on the program. I am vision impaired. I've got 10% vision. I've got congenital glaucoma. I've been um, born into a family with that disease. I have worked, I started working years ago in factories and things, but I did a career change and wanted to go into the more academic computing side of life in the 90s. Uh, Since then, I've worked in help desks. I've also worked as a Cisco instructor. I've also worked in the disability and not-for-profit sector. I've been a former web developer, but uh, I really have a bent towards education and training and I now run my own business doing that sort of work after working for three of the major blindness organisations in Australasia, that being Visibility in Western Australia, which is, used to be the Association for the Blind, where I was a, an alternative format producer. Um, then I went to doing access technology support at the Blind Foundation in New Zealand, now called Blind Low Vision NZ, and I ended up at Vision Australia for a one-year fixed-term contract, and now I am doing my own business, doing the work I love doing. And that's so important, I think. And I really want to talk to you about your company, Disability and Assistive Technology Access Australasia. Tell us yes. about the company. Well, it's a it's a, uh, it's a it's a small business. It was never designed to be a one person operation. Um, so I'm looking at, well, I am actually employing people to assist with the things I don't want to do. Um, other things I can't do very well is also uh, another option. That's one of the first laws I learnt in business when I did a business course two decades ago where if you can't do something or don't want to do something, just simply employ somebody. <laughs> so I've employed somebody to do to assist with the, um, the report writing and some of the assessments we do, or all of the assessments really that we do for um, our clients. But most of the work I do is delivering the actual training itself, going out to see people. Uh, say, for example, I've taken on some people in the last few weeks that, that have uh, that actually want to do uh, learning how to use the Mac after being JAWS and Windows users for a long time. So they've come into the Mac environment because of the success of iPhones. The iOS operating is so operating system is so functional and accessible with voiceover and does have a lot in it also for hearing impaired people that it's not surprising that some of those people are following through because the iPhone integrates so well with the Mac to want to learn how to use voiceover on the Mac. I also still support Windows and JAWS and also my job at Statewide Vision Resource Centre on a Friday with the support skills section, um, support skills program here in Victoria. Um, that similar sort of work goes on there as well. Uh, other other than I'm, I'm just sort of like working with children rather than adults or young adults as we call them these days. Children, young adults, uh, working with that uh, demographic. Uh, whereas in my main business, it's working with you know adults, middle aged people, senior people, mainly middle aged people at the moment. So that's a little bit about what we're doing. So it's access technology support. So are you predominantly working with people who are blind and have low vision? Predominantly, yes. I've worked with deafblind people um, 
I had a lovely lady when I was working in New Zealand, uh, absolutely gorgeous lady. Uh, she was a JAWS user. She was deaf blind. Uh, she was in her 80s at the time and had been using the computer for oh, a good many, many years and had been totally blind for about 10 years but had, had failing eyesight and she had... Um, I think it was um, Usher syndrome. So, you know, you're getting the, the both the blindness and the... Um, you're getting both the blindness and the deafness there. And, of course, by the time I met this lady, she was totally blind, but had had some jaw skills. So we were able to pick up on that. Uh, there's been a number of people here in Victoria and around Australia that I've worked with who are deaf blind. And had some, some have got um, cognitive issues. Some have got, um, you know, there's, there's mental illness. You sometimes strike uh, other issues as well. Um, so, yeah, but they've always got the blindness. And that's where we focus on. It's just that there's people out there these days that aren't just vision impaired or blind. They've got other, uh, other challenges as well. Certainly. Access is clearly something that's really important to you, Elise. And I wonder, is, is that something that has you learned a, a, as a younger person that, that you're really wanting to now make life more accessible for people? Or how did you get into this kind of work? Yes, I do. Um, because I've seen so many people have difficulties with you know, access, access to documents, you know, even just reading, you know, some, some people will say, I'll just send you a PDF. Um, well, you know, anyone in the, in, the, in the know will know that, that that's a real hit and miss affair because some people will just send you a, um, a picture that's a scanned image which, which has no text in it, in, in it, therefore the screen reader can't lock onto anything unless it OCRs it, or optical, does optical character rec recognition. Now, JAWS can do that. Uh, it's a nuisance, but not all screen readers will. Oh, you could print it and rescan it. Oh, you could stick it through a myriad of different programs on your iPhone that'll OCR the text. But, you know, it's not as accurate. Or else you can get PDF files that are really well marked up with proper headings, uh, bullet lists, those sort of elements that, you know, blindies like to use with their screen reader to, you know, to, to navigate or jump through, you know, certain parts of a document. Oh, you can get anywhere in between. So it is the access, uh, not just access to documents, but also access to technology. You know, people, you know, just, just to, for example, you know, click on a button, a green button that says, let's go on a website or, a, you know, click on an icon could be a challenge. And um, using the screen reader, if it's, if, if the site or the application software you're using is accessible, um, can make the world a difference for people. And I got into it because I was interested in it. I saw what the problems I could have. I saw the problems other people could have, could have and I just know, I just know my way around the system and I, and I want to fix it. But not only do I want to fix these things, I want to show other people how to fix them, educate them. And I think that's so important. I guess um, I'm curious about because access really facilitates people's engagement in, in real life activities like mm. their day-to-day -day activities but also professionally yep. and so I wonder if you can speak to um, some of the work that you're doing and how is that helping people in their lives certainly can do um, I have I've just got to think of one of the many myriad <laughs> things that I've had to come across over the, over, over, over the years but um, a, a good example is people want to be able to um, gain employment or people want to be able to set themselves up so they can study one young lady came to me recently with a whole bunch of things in a facebook messenger message oh, i want to be able to do music i want to be able to use my new mac like i once did the pc now that means doing mail for her it means doing email writing documents 
uh, texting, it means um, learning a music program. Whilst I may not have the skills to teach that particular music program, I know people who will be able to. They want to get back into a bit of audio uh, production work. Uh, other people have had, um, there's another lady I've got on my case load at the moment who needs to be able to access her iPhone and other iOS devices so she can simply communicate with the school for her children. Um, down here in Victoria, a lot of schools use a program called Compass, which is a, I'm not sure, I think it's, I think it's been rolled out in various other states as well, but it started in Victoria where uh, the state schools here will, will have a sort of like a, a content management system really where you know, kids have their assignments on it. Um, their results are given to the, the, the parents um, through it. Contact to the teachers is done on this platform. And it is reasonably accessible. So this lady wanted me to assist on, she only had her iPhone uh, at the time. Now she has an iPad um, to be able to um, access that. Uh, other correspondence from the school might come in the form of text messages if they're if their kids are marked absent for the day when they shouldn't be marked absent for the day, let's say, <laughs> uh, you know, um, letters, correspondence, communicating with family. Um, and also when I showed her the keyboard, now this particular lady, I can't give any names, it was a very successful, before she lost her sight, quite a successful events manager, um, coordinator for, you know, um, resorts, that sort of stuff, looking after people, had before she had her children, uh, lived overseas, you know, um, you know, looking after, you know, English tourists in Greece and that sort of stuff. So quite a successful and, um, you know, appropriately skilled woman. Uh, with the loss of her eyesight in more recent years, those skills have gone. But um, when I assessed her on a keyboard for her iPad uh, that she was thinking about getting and has now subsequently got. It was very, very easy to show her that, hey, you could get that touch typing skill back very quickly. She's since now done that and she's now got her iPad and she's part of her program with me will be doing some keyboarding and being able to access the iPad and if she connects the keyboard to her iPhone and even down the track, if she ever got a computer, she would be able to use the keyboard on that too. So it's giving people sometimes back the skills that they've somehow missed out on uh, if they've suffered a loss of eyesight, particularly eyesight in later life. What you're really doing is setting them up to re-engage with their lives. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. yes. And, that, and that can often hit hard when, and I saw it a lot in New Zealand too, where you get the seniors who have had six, seven five, six, seven, even eight decades of full sight and with, say, macular degeneration who that you would probably be aware of in, in your business being the major cause of blindness through the uh, Asia-Pacific region, um, they're rendered blind or, or, or at least with reduced vision, not totally blind, but enough to really, really, really make them um, make changes to their life. And, and of course, people in that older generation, they don't have the same affinity in many cases with technology as do younger people are they're, they're also grieving for the loss of their sight as well and i guess i i couldn't you know i could imagine that would be happening in the hearing area as well where people are losing a um losing a sense and all of a sudden they, they've got to you know they've got to find they've got to they've, they've got to find their feet again and they've got to be able to learn to adjust with that impaired vision or impaired hearing absolutely and grieving for it too yeah, most definitely. At least we often hear that about the underemployment of people with disability, mm. particularly sensory disability. And I yeah. wonder if you have any comments about that? 
Oh, well, don't get me started. <laughs> I'm <laughs> inviting you to get started. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Trudy. Well, we had a, a chat about this, I think, over email last week and prior to coming on air now. Well, I do. I, I think, you know, when you look at the figures uh, for, 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 this, for the disability or for the blindness community, you're, you're upwards of 60, 68%, 70, 70% of that um, community being unemployed. And those figures are staggering and they're absolutely mm. staggering. And you think... Staggering, yes, horrifying, yep. disappointing. <laughs> disappointing, especially when there's a lot of talent out there. You know, there's, um, you know, you hear about the successful people in the blind community who've got jobs or run businesses or doing podcasts or, you know, some of them have got law degrees, others have got, you know, they're, they're high up in government or they're, you know, we've even had a disability commissioner who's been vision impaired or totally blind several years ago. Um, so... Yeah, you, you hear about those people, but there's for every one of those, there's probably a good you know, six other people who are just as intelligent, maybe not as well educated, and that's another story about the lack of it, you know, about the quality of education that's been in the system over the years. Um, you know, you know, aimed at you know prior to the current generation, let's say the current even the current two generations, um, the opportunities haven't been there for them, so they haven't been able to succeed. They've you know, had a lack of Braille um, tuition, that sort of stuff that profoundly affects literacy. Um, but back to the employment thing, um, there's probably about you know five or six, so every one of those successful people you hear about, there's, there's multiple others out there who are probably just as, just as intelligent, could be just as competent, and could be just as um, able if they were in different circumstances and yet they're unemployed and it's those intelligent minds that are unemployed uh, that can be quite a dangerous thing because you know it starts to lead to self-worth uh, feeling of you know um, no self-worth uh, can lead to depression uh, because you've got this otherwise thinking perfectly operational brain sitting there doing nothing all day mm, and I think it's I think it's a travesty. I really do. And I think, you know, um, I don't think some of the organisations have really scored well in that uh, employment sector, sadly, of, of getting gainful employment for people. Oh, there seems to be now, when I was young, a stereotype of either weaving cane baskets in a workshop or being a switchboard operator. My mum was a switchboard operator and a very good one at that. But, um, yeah, or a telephonist, as we might call them now. But these days there are fewer switchboards and... Mm. As a result, it's now, oh, well, you can, you're blind, you can have a call centre job. Well, I couldn't imagine anything. I, I did do some of that work for a little while for HP in the 90s. It drove me mad. So I couldn't imagine myself doing it. But I love engaging with people. I've got the qualities that mean I love engaging with people. I love training people. I love working with people, especially people who come to me with a plan that want to um, you know, like the lady I said about before who wanted to do her music and use her Mac like she once did her PC. She's got a goal. She's got some, you know, she, you know she's got a something she wants to achieve rather than people ringing up a help desk going, oh, I've got this problem and this doesn't work and that doesn't work and it's all your fault. No, I'm not good at that. No, so. no matter. I, I don't think many people would find that satisfying or fulfilling. Sorry? I don't think many people would find that satisfying no, or fulfilling. No. All right, I just got um, I just got bamboozled by yet another people from I won't mention the company's name a wine um, people I can buy wine off, and they're I mean, they're always pestering me. I bought oodles of that stuff a month ago, and they're on, they've been on the phone at least twice, if not three times, every week 
since that time and i've bought stuff off them numerous times now i'm getting oh you're such a great customer at least we can do it at cost price i'm thinking if you can do your wine at cost price why don't you ring up and sell it to somebody who who's prepared to pay more leave me alone i've got plenty of it <laughs> to have a job like that would drive me absolutely nuts absolutely and mm. most people i think so so the stereotypical job there for me isn't true so as i said to you before i came on air um Yes, you can train and you can study and you and, and you'll get lucky at getting a job. Um, you know, even you can go through university and, and avail yourself of the of the far better education and um, prospects that are available to young people coming through now or even, you know, middle aged people who might want a career change far better learning opportunities now than what you would in my generation. Um, but you still might not score a job. So if you don't score a job, make your own. I like that philosophy. It, it, that that would be daunting for people, though. Yes, it is. It's um, there's a young young man in Queensland I've been talking to not so long ago. He's trying to work out how to get started in business, but because he hasn't got the he hasn't got the years of you know the the, the adult history behind him, he's only in his early twenties. But so to start a, a business there would be you know in, in meeting with different challenges than what I've got, and. It is daunting. It's scary. I've done it before. Uh, when I my fixed term contract finished with Vision Australia, really just two two years ago this month, <clears throat> and it was always known that if I leave this place, I'll probably go and do something crazy like start another business. So I did. So <laughs> I did. You know, if they didn't want to put me on for another twelve months, I thought, well, I'm not going to stop doing the things I like doing because of that. Why don't I just start? And I've come back from New Zealand. I hoped to ha I ho I hoped to have had longer with these guys, but that wasn't to be the case. So I thought, well, I know what I'm doing when it comes to the actual physically doing the work. I've got, you know, I've built relationships over the years, even prior to my tenure with Vision Australia, with you know, like Quantum Technologies and Pacific Vision and a, a whole bunch of these, um, you know, people selling technology. I know a lot of people in the in 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 the in the area, and as hard as it's going to be, that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I turned down their offer of coming back on the employment program <laughs> and said, no, guys, I'm going off to do my own show. And that was two years ago. And it's been a really cool ride because I it was slow at first, but you know, it didn't take long to get. I, I think I was out two days after I left with a client. Yeah. I put together a website because I got that experience. Um, so I didn't have to pay someone to do that. I started drawing in people, a very good dear friend of mine, Kelly Mitchell, who um, has been a very good business coach. So I drew, drew on her experience. Um, as as um, I'm not sure that I've mentioned since we've gone live. Yes, I have. I've brought in somebody who can assist me with the report writing and, and, and uh, those sort of things. And I've now been working with negotiating with people driving me around. But in the meantime, you know, I'm now, I'm now busy every day of the week um, to the point where I've got... I, a couple of weeks ago, I had um, one client cancelled, the next client cancelled. And so I went down the queue to eventually I got the third person to fill the slot, you know. So we're getting <laughs> people queuing up, wanting appointments. Yeah. And I'm always a believer in if people can have their appointment on a particular day, um, you know, so-and-so gets their appointment Tuesday morning and so-and-so might get it Wednesday afternoon. These people I've just come home from, have them on a Thursday morning. It gives that regularity. So, yeah, I, I mean to say it's it's been a... Along, it's been hard work, um, but it's also been very rewarding. Absolutely. Elise, you are the living embodiment of two phrases that have really stuck out for me today around our, in our chat. If you don't want to do it, 
outsource it. Yep. If you can't find a job, make, make your one. own. That's the one. Yep. And, <laughs> you know. That's such great advice for, for young people thinking about their futures as well. Well, it is. And, you know, like just recently I've seen the need to um, do more um, formal service agreements with clients. So I've seen the need to really ramp up the quality of the notes that we, you know, when we do a training session with people to put out the notes. I've seen a need to... Um, well, I also run a business network, uh, Part I uh, started a business network called Blindness and Beyond, where there's a, a number of us independent um, people um, offering this sort of support, not just technology, but pretty much the four disciplines. And what I call the four disciplines, it's access technology, O&M, which is mobility and orientation, occupational therapy, or OT, and orthoptics. So we now have in our network a number of people from all those fields and of course, the the way I've been referred to you people is through, if it's all right to mention Bronwyn. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, because Bronwyn's known to the audience here. Um, yeah, I've met Bronwyn. In actual fact, I met Bronwyn through my statewide contacts, and um, when I found out that she was an independent O and M doing the things that she loves to do, I got her into our business network, and I've since made a number of referrals to her from people I know, and she in turn, and a number of other people like Jessica. Timmons has made uh, referrals back to me. So it, what comes around goes around. So I'm in the middle of doing all that bureaucratic stuff for my own business, but I'm also got myself, found myself in a situation where we're in the um, similar situation of formalizing blindness and beyond um, to make it a legal entity with a, you know, with its own board of directors and its own constitution. And I've got a heap of paperwork here. Mark in Brisbane's been quite... Um, quite quite good at getting this sourcing this information because he set up his own company um so we're using the resources that he used his own you know legal people to help us set this up so there's been there's a lot of hard work going on behind the scenes to make this all happen for people mm. oh, you're, you're such a such a force for, for good and growth elise it's been such a delight to talk to you we're going to make your website link available in the show notes so that people can find you because i'm pretty sure people are going to be hearing you going we want to learn more about elise and and, and how we can work with you so really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today thank you so much thank you trudy it's been a pleasure